For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, I hope all is well, mate. And how have you been since we last spoke? Well, to be honest, Dan, you know, I'm sad. I've been feeling sad for a couple of days, you know, and I'm just hoping now that by doing this pod, by the end of this pod, I'll have a different soul um, <laughs> and my sadness will be gone. <laughs> wow, that was deep. That's a deep start we've got there. So uh, <laughs> join in for the catharsis over the next hour or so. James, you're back from your lengthy scouting trip. I can't remember the last time we spoke, but I trust all is well since we had. Yeah, absolutely. Everything uh, off the pitch is fantastic. Um, Tottenham being on a, uh, the late kickoff yesterday meant that they only had a couple hours left of my birthday to ruin. Oh. So uh, I managed to get all the all the festivities out of the way first, and then they only ruined the last little bit. So in classic Tottenham fashion, I think they actually they ruined my birthday when they lost in October. So I think it's just a trend. Don't take it too personally, James. And also, last but not least, is the returning Brendan, who you may be aware of from the Cheese Room podcast. So, Brendan, I believe it's your hat-trick ball appearance this evening. How have you been since we last spoke? Hi, hi Dan. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, not too bad. Uh, cheered up a bit since yesterday. It was obviously quite depressing, and we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover both games. But, yeah, in general, life's good. Uh, Brazil's not doing too great, but... Uh, myself and my family are, are doing well, surviving, and um, Spurs are a good break from the, the monotony of COVID. Fantastic. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CYS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms as Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you're not on one of those offerings, let us know. And we'll get it on there for you. And also, we've got another five-star rating on the Apple Podcasts. So first, we want a lot more of those. And more importantly, if you have left a review, just say hello to me on Twitter, at DanTrace983, so I can thank you properly. Right, let's get down to business. And that business sees us with a dilemma. And one where I can't decide whether to start with the bad or the really bad. And Cole, in what has been a nightmare week for Tottenham, you get the feeling the tide is just starting to turn against Jose Mourinho. Yeah, I think, um, you know... Ever since he took over, there's there's been mixed feelings, isn't there? And I think at the same time, you know, people were prepared to wait and see how, how results went. If they could see some improvement, um, then I think, you know, there were period there were people who weren't fans of his, but were prepared to accept that maybe, OK, we're going to go in this direction. And yes, it might, might not always be pretty, but if we can see some improvement on the pitch and we look like we're about to go places, then I think, you know, those people would have probably said, well, I'll put up with it. Um, I think, unfortunately, what we've seen, you know, over the last couple of weeks, especially, um, and a little bit this season, is Jose normally crumbles in his third season, but it looks like it's coming earlier um, in, in charge of us, doesn't it? You know, throwing players under the bus, falling out with players, you kind of think that that's not going to that's not going to end well. Um, it's happened before. You know, this is sort of like the the sort of normal end to Jose's reign at clubs, isn't it? Falling out with players, fans starting to turn, the football not being what it should be. Um, and it looks like that's coming sooner. And you have to say, after the last few performances, um, 
I think the tide is starting to turn and I think Jose is going to have to do something pretty, pretty special and pretty quickly to kind of get those fans back on side. You just kind of feel that does he have the personnel um, and the quality to be able to do that? You know, thankfully, by the looks of it, which I'm sure we'll touch on, Kane's injury doesn't seem as bad as we potentially hoping uh, or we're fearing as such. So that's good news. But I do feel, you know, time is certainly, I think there's a lot more people now feeling that Jose's time is already up with a club uh, and they'd like to see us go in another direction. Um, and the last couple of performances maybe tell you that, that there's there's some trouble in the background somewhere. So, yeah, not great. So, James, if we take Mourinho's career, as Carl's alluded to, it's always a three-act play in terms of seasons. And the second season is the one where things start to get a little rocky. There's always a scapegoat. We've got one of those already, which we'll get to in a moment. But there's also usually a trophy in that season as well. So, will silverware be enough to outweigh what looks like the losing of the dressing room at the moment? I think you've, you've probably asked the wrong guy on this, Dan, because I, I've always been of the opinion that a, a trophy isn't enough um, for me, you know, there's there's people out there who who want want a league cup or or something like that just to to get that monkey off our back, and and they think it's going to make the world a difference. Um, I'm not one of those people. I've I've always said that I want us to be playing consistent, good football, playing at the the highest level in England, playing in the Champions League, and if that means that we don't fight as hard or or we we don't win the league cup or the FA Cup, then that's absolutely fine by me. The fact that we were in the League Cup final is is obviously great. You know, I I, I think that's that's fantastic for the club. Uh, and if we win it, then it will be absolutely brilliant. But it will also be no excuse for the way that we we're performing in the league. We can't you can't prioritise one cup competition, which might be you know five games, over a, a whole season, which which is surely has to be more important. If we're not competing at the highest level in in, in the domestic league. We're not going to be in the Champions League, and that that just means that we're not competing at the at the level that we de- we deserve to be competing at. So, for me, the silverware would be absolutely great. It would get the monkey off our back. It would it would stop the you know the persistent trophy cabinet comments. But it isn't going to change anything in the long run. The a League Cup isn't going to all of a sudden turn turn this team into into winners. It's not going to turn them into immediate you know experienced players who who know how to win things. It's, it's it's not going to make any difference other than we're all going to have a very, very good weekend and wake up with a sore head. So, to, to me, I, I don't think so. I, I, I can't see... Um, if we do win the Cup, I can't see it changing anything. Uh, if we don't win the Cup, then it's just going to amplify everything because, you know, Jose was meant to come and, and provide silverware. If he doesn't do that, plus we're not, we're not provided in the Premier League, then things are going to get very ugly. You know, as Carl has already said, things have already got a bit ugly. So it, it, it could go one or two ways. But either way, I don't think it, it changes much. James, I'll stay with you then, because we might be forgetting the Europa League and all of this. Let's say we bomb out the league out of the top four and we're sort of kind of swimming as where we are now, but we win the Europa League and we're back in the Champions League. Is that the start of the catalyst which gets the winning behaviour, etc., etc.? Do things change that way? Hopefully. Um... It's. I've I've said for years about Arsenal, the way Arsenal have been. They've been terrible for years, and they've provided the odd trophy. And you know, especially those FA Cup wins. I, I thought, well, that's great. It's great for us because yeah, they've won the FA Cup and they and they've had a good weekend. And you know, yeah, they've got a couple of trophies for their cabinet. Fair play. 
but it meant it's meant that they've persisted with their team and it's meant that they've persisted with managers who who if they hadn't won those trophies they probably would have changed up and improved on um with Tottenham I think it's it's very much the same I think if we do somehow get you know win the Europa League it'll be fantastic it'll be a better a better achievement than winning the league cup but again it'll probably be papering over cracks and then we'll go into the next season you know competing in the Champions League but you know, through through a back entrance, so to speak, and I, I think again that that could end very ugly. That that could lead to us, you know, not getting out of the groups because we haven't, in, you know, we haven't in, improved on our side. We haven't improved on our style of play, and I think we we might struggle. So these these are just the the worries and the concerns that I have. In in the long term, it, it is basically to to summarise is is just that a trophy can paper over cracks. That if the cracks were left exposed, they might actually get fixed. So, you know, it would be, don't get me wrong. I, I am not not saying that we, we need to sacrifice all these cups. I think we've got enough players and we should have the quality of players in, in depth to, to be able to fight our north fronts. But, you know, I, I just think we, we shouldn't be throwing the towel in, in the league and, and the league should always be our priority because especially this season, we, we've got such an opportunity. It's so open. That top four is, is, is there for the taking. And and we need to sort out our domestic form. We need to sort out the way that we're playing in the Premier League before we can think about any kind of cup run. So, Brendan, the scapegoat, that's Deli Alley. And at the time of recording, it looks like he's going nowhere. So, for many, that's going to mean good news because there's a lot of Deli Alley fans at the club. But for the player himself, that's arguably the worst possible scenario because it almost means no minutes. So, if he's not playing and he's not being loaned out, what is the end game in all of this? It's tough to call. There's clearly been something going on behind the scenes there. Uh, it's more than just a form thing. I think there's been words said between him and Jose. You can see from some social media posts, from Jose's post-match comments, when he's like, some players don't like to fight, some do. And he keeps referring to Tongi and Dombele as an example of a player who he throws out and brought back in. And as Jose's style, he does play the tough love. And so I'm kind of hoping that's the case here as well. But... Like you said, what's the end game? Like, surely by now he would have been brought back in. So it looks like a serious situation, but we're not going to let him go because Lo Celso is injured still. We would only let him go if we got someone in. And obviously Ericsson is not coming back and there's no other players really in the frame. It's not a really a strong market, this, this current window. Um, so, yeah, it, it's worrying. But you just hope that... Uh, he's done enough to, to to come back in and Jose swallows his pride, perhaps, which I doubt he's ever done, um, because we need him. We, we, our attacking players aren't delivering and, and Kane's injured. So we, we, something's got to change. And uh, Dele has shown through the years that he can deliver in the big games. He can deliver in the league. You saw the stats about before he was 21, he had more goals and assists than Beckham, Lampard's goals combined, and Gerrard, I think, as well. So there's clearly talent there. And Jose, when he arrived, it looked like he was the one to unlock it. It looked like he was the one, the old, are you Delhi or Delhi's brother thing you saw in the documentary? But something's gone wrong there. And I just hope that it's tough love. And I hope he does bring him back soon because we do need him. So, Carl, what's the end game in terms of the manager? Because it's almost unfolding in front of our very eyes. Some of his detractors will say, I told you so. And they'll take great pleasure in all of this. I guess the way the boom and bust cycle operates with Jose, it's never going to be a surprise to any of his biggest fans either. 
No, um, and and I think the, the the thing the thing is now what we have to realise is you know Daniel Levy has wanted Jose for a little while, hasn't he? You know, I think soon as he probably knew that Potch was Potty's time was done, Jose was the man he obviously wanted to get in. Um, you also factor into the into the mix there that there's probably Jose's probably got a very lucrative contract that I should imagine this this far into it there's quite a hefty payout to come. So I think any fans who are immediately hoping that Jose could be gone by the end of this season. I don't see that panning out because I think, you know, I think Daniel Levy's probably got an ego where he's not going to admit he's made such a big mistake um, this early. Um, there's obviously the payout factor and the payoff factor to get rid of Jose, which probably would hurt the club financially. Then you've got to look to bring in another manager and let's face it, you know, you're looking at possibly having to go to another club and ask them and tempt their manager away, which is probably going to come with a fee that you're probably going to end up paying. So I think you put all these things in the mix and I don't think we're going to see the end of Jose, certainly not by the end of this season, because I get the impression that, you know, even if he doesn't win anything, I think there'll be this determination to see this out and give him some more time. Um, I think the ideal situation for us is, and again, this is where we have to see when Jose got the job, there was this, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to change, I'm going to make some changes. And this is where I think now there's a real test to see whether Jose was actually just talking the talk or whether he's actually going to walk the walk. Because with Kane's injury as well now, he he does need to adapt and change right now because things don't look like they're working. You know, we saw in that game last night, players don't seem to be running through the brick walls that you would expect players to run through for Jose in his early days. Um, you know, we've got the Delhi situation. So, you know, we've got the Aurier situation now as well from the Liverpool game. And the problem is you can't keep falling out with players because at the end of the day, the players have the power, you know. And the last thing we now need is someone like Delhi and Serge at the club potentially spreading negativity. You know, they'll have friends. The other players are their friends. They'll be talking to him and like, oh, yeah, this bloke, he's lost it. He's a dinosaur now. He ain't going to bring the success you think. And all of a sudden that starts eating away. You know, and other players might start gradually thinking, yeah, you know, I think this is right, you know, and, and he's not picking my mate and he's being out of order to my mate now. Um, it, it's hard to know where this goes. I, I think we... we you can only see it going one way, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I guess the best scenario for us is that we beat Man City in that League Cup final and we get that win over the line, which might then make, you know, appease certain fans who potentially want Jose gone. He maybe unleashes the team slightly um, and lets them, gives them a bit more freedom because you can see that you've got a team at the moment where it seems like any creativity or risk taking is stifled for the sense of, listen, don't nothing crazy. I want you to be solid. Um, maybe he's going to have to let go of that and allow a little bit more freedom um, to players to express themselves. And I say, I think the hope is we can win that League Cup, um, get some good runs, you know, possibly start fighting for fourth, go deep into your, the Europa League. And who knows, even possibly, you know, try to win the FA Cup as well. Because I think the only way this survives is if Jose suddenly wins two cups, you know, at the League Cup and the Europa League, then I think fans might start to go, oh, well, actually, maybe there is. My biggest worry is I just don't think there's the quality in the squad to do that. And when the teams that we're seeing coming and overpowering us, overpower us, I think that's worrying signs. Um, so I think, the, you know, I think we're going to see a car crash, but I don't think it's going to be this season. 
So James, if it was indifferent against Liverpool, it was nothing short of insipid against Brighton. And after back-to-back defeats in the league, is it fair to say that any hopes of winning the league are now done for the season? Uh, yeah, uh, and that's that's not just because of, of the two defeats. Um, I think it's it goes a lot deeper than that. It's it's a lot more than, you know, we've dropped six points because, you know, we we could expect to have dropped those three points against Liverpool. Um, we could even have, you know, ex- expected the odd freak result such as the one at, at, at Brighton. So, you know, it's it's not it's not as, as simple as just we've lost six points there and therefore we can't climb the table. I think for me it's a lot deeper than that. It's it's how this has affected the team, how how we look going forward. Um and I think that's that's a big part of, of how I've started to feel about, about Tottenham and about how I've started to feel about Jose Mourinho is that there just seems to be no no pattern. Um there's no there's no you know, just there's no form that he wants us to to start playing in, and that's the thing that I'm I'm struggling with. You know, he's he's had he can't blame that he's had no time because he's had plenty of time. He's also had plenty of time on the training pitch. You know, we we had a that extended break where he he should have been drilling into his players. This is the way that we want to play, um, uh, and I, I'm no doubt he he's tried to, but it it just doesn't seem to be translating. And and if there was some kind of pattern to, to the way that we want to play. If we could, if we saw that in the last 10 minutes against Brighton, I would have been, you know, slightly happier than I am now. But it's just the the, the fact that we don't seem to be playing with any kind of game plan uh, other than let's defend, maybe try and nick a, a winner and then defend again. And th- that might be fine if you've got, you know, John Terry and Carvalho at the peak of their careers or... You know who who do you have Inter Milan, Zanetti, and the like. You know, there's it might be it might be fine when you've got those kind of players, and then you've got the, the special players up front who can who can do the job. But when you're you know when your back four consists of Sissoko and, and Dyer and Roden and and the like, it, it just isn't gonna isn't gonna work that way. And I think he needs to realise that that's not gonna work in the Premier League. I I said a couple of weeks ago that it it doesn't work like that in this league. Uh, because you know there's always going to be a chance in the, in the game, and if a, if they score that one chance, then the game plans out the window. So and pre- with the quality of player in in the Premier League, you know, look at look at the Crystal Palace game. We you know Jeff, Jeffrey Slup had had a chance and he scored it. How, you know that's a, that's a freak incident, but it happened. So long story short, Dan, I think it's it's not that we've just dropped six points, so so our title challenge is over. I'd say we've we've our title challenge is over because we just don't have any direction that we look to be going in. Okay then, Brendan. After our back-to-back defeats, the Mourinho out clamour has certainly picked up pace. So the question is, do you think this is something that should happen now, or is it still too early to pull that proverbial trigger? Uh, I think it's probably a bit too early. I, I wasn't feeling that last night. <laughs> Straight after the game, I was uh, very much in the Jose out bandwagon, but. Uh, thinking about it on sort of a, a night's sleep, uh, you calm down. But I echo what James said, like our lack of identity is the most worrying thing. Prior to December, we sort of had a game plan. We, it, was low, it wasn't pretty, but we had low block and, and the players would, were, were happy to implement it because we were getting results. Now it doesn't even look like we're doing that. We don't, we're not playing low block, but we're not playing high press either. There's just, it's just a, a complete lack of, of identity and, and game plan, as James said, and that, and that's what's worrying. But Jose is 
as you're saying, like he, he is still the second most successful manager in world football. You could make the argument that maybe the game has passed him by a bit. Like 15 years ago, he was the best in the world. Football's a different game now. Um, and maybe he hasn't adapted to it as much as you'd want. But I'll, there's no way that Levy will get rid of him anyway, because the compensation is going to be between 35 and 40 million pounds. He's on a 16 million pound a year contract with over two years left. So he's not going anywhere this season. Um, I, I, I'd want to keep the faith with him, but we, things need to pick up. We do need to sort of start playing to our abilities because at the moment, no one seems to know what they're doing. No one, there's no, like, there's no identity. We're not playing low block. We're not playing high press. We're just going through the motions. And, and that's the worrying thing right now. So, Carl, if we look at the squad, whoever the man in charge is, needs to undertake a big rebuild job. If we're honest, there's probably 10 to 12, maybe even more players that could be moved on. And the problem we've always got is we seem to be overly loyal to names that run their course. So does that mean that the manager that we've got now is still a good couple of seasons away from being where he wants to be? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, because as you say, you know, you've either got to, you know, and, and also say you throw in the mix a chairman that's not prepared to kind of suddenly, you know, maybe just lose a few million just for the sake of actually clearing someone off the books. I mean, let's take Danny Rose, for example. Why is Danny Rose still at the club? Um, we know there's no future there now. Um, clubs don't seem to be clamouring. So, you know, say the guy's got... I don't know, six months or so left on his contract. Just pay it off and get the guy off the books and out of the club. You know, certain players that we know in the past, you know, we've tried to offload, but the chairman suddenly wants still, you know, 20 million for a guy that you'd sit there and say, well, who's going to pay 20 million for this guy now? So I think, as you say, if you put all those things into the mix, yes, I, I think we are, you know, still at least two seasons away Again, also, if you look at the transfer policy, when you're a club that want to just buy, you know, and let's face it, it's not a secret. You know, Enix's model is that they want to buy young and they want to buy potential in the the you know the view that, yes, they might come good for the club. But that also then means that when you're selling that player on for a massive fee, there's massive profit involved. Now, unfortunately, that that's great sometimes. But if we want to start winning things now, you may have to go for a 28-year-old who might cost you some money and you won't see no real mega sell-on value, but he'll bring you a couple of seasons of real pure quality from the off. Um, I think you put all those things into the mix. And as you say, yeah, I think we're a couple of seasons away because there is a lot of dead wood at the club that needs getting rid of. But I don't see it going quickly because of the way that we do our transfer business um that's going to impact incomings um and not only with that but if your incomings are not always going to necessarily be the finished article and bring you the real quality now then that's also delaying you progressing and moving on as a club because you know you need sometimes to finish article mixed in with some youth um you can't keep bringing in young players who've got potential and expect them to hit the ground running straight away and bring you trophies you know they will make state rondon is a perfect example he looks a talent but mistakes like that goal against liverpool are going to come in because he's learning his trade unfortunately you get punished for that in this league and it will cost you points and in big games it will cost you trophies um so yeah i, I don't see us being 
you know, apart from, you know, this season was an opportunity given the form and everything, but I believe, you know, the title is gone now. There's no fear of that. that that's not happening. Um, and then you suddenly think if teams like Liverpool, City, United, Chelsea get themselves together, then I don't see you being able to challenge those teams next season either. Um, so, yeah, I think we are at least two seasons away going the way we are right now. James, if we're saying that there's 10 names at least that need moving on, we're never going to get rid of them next next summer, are we? It's just not going to happen. But we might get rid of three. So who would be top of the chop if you're heading the recruitment policy? Oh, that's a great question. There's, unfortunately, there's there's quite a few names um, that, that do need to be moved on. Um, obviously, I mean, it goes without saying, are we, are we including Danny Rose? Danny Rose has, has got to be out the door. That's 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 Deadwood that, that needs to be shifted. Um, in terms of players now, I think I think personally, I think Eric Lamella could be could be up, uh, up there. I've, I've been relatively patient um, in the grand scheme of things with Lamella, but for me, the final straw was his. Uh, I'd say cameo, but he played 45 minutes against Liverpool, and and that was possibly the worst performance I've ever seen from a Spurs player. Uh, and it, it, it was just the final straw for me. He he played with absolutely no intent. Uh, there was no ability there there was he couldn't he couldn't make a two-yard pass he couldn't beat a player he, he just wasn't there for anything um so for me i think eric lamella has has to be one of the the first for the for the chopping block but there's 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 certainly a few others that have just kind of run their course and it and it's probably time to to move on um but yeah i mean eric lamella top, top of the chopping block for me Brendan, the thing is, though, it's never as easy as just naming names. Because if we did, we'd all have the squads we want in double-quick time. And, as Carl said, it is notoriously hard to get players out of the club because of all things Levy. So, if Mourinho is given a third season, do you think it's he that needs to add an element of ruthlessness in terms of what will happen in terms of recruitment? Well, I think he has. I think he has started, as we've seen with Delhi, that he is being quite ruthless with players that he feels doesn't fit the system. But like James was saying, I think players like Lamella, he's been here eight years and he scored, I think it was 16 goals in eight years, which is a terrible return for an attacking player. Uh, Lucas as well is not delivering. Harry Winks, we've got plenty of players that that, that need to, to up their game or move on. And uh, I'd be happy to to have the overhaul. We've had a mini overhaul, I think, bringing in the likes of Hoybier and for, for Tongi to finally turn up as well. Uh, it's been great for our midfield, but there are there are players that just aren't delivering, and Jose has shown that he can be ruthless, and, and I think he should. So I, I see him staying on certainly, unless there's a complete disaster this season, he will stay on into next season. Um, and yeah, I can see him being ruthless. I can see him getting rid of the players that aren't delivering, and it's the the, the attacking players that are the ones that are most vulnerable. So yeah, Lamella, Lucas. Winks uh, would be my three, and um, bring in some fr- some fresh blood, some players that uh, can add some spark. He can use his contacts that he's got with George Mendes and uh, revitalise the team because it just feels, even with the mini overhaul that we've had, it still feels quite stale. So, Carl, on the evidence of what we've seen over the past week or so, and even before that, you would imagine one of those names that does depart is Gareth Bale. And although we've been putting it off for a while do we finally have to come to the conclusion that Bale Mark II has been an absolute dud? 
Yeah, completely. I mean, you know, that let's face it, given what we've seen so far, if you've got the perk strings and someone says, do you want another season? It's going to be a uh, no thanks from me, Gareth. Um, you know, you've we all knew we weren't getting Gareth Bale that we had before, but I just don't think we're seeing a player that even seems to have an impact on the game. Um, you know, doesn't seem to have that spark anymore. Um, and yeah, for me, it's a simple fact, you know, no, no one's going to buy him next season either, are they? You know, it's not like suddenly you're sitting there thinking, well, United and that will be sniffing around Man City. I think anyone who's watched him this season is probably thinking, well, thankfully, we, we dodged a bullet here because we were thinking about it. Um, but the money that, you know, you're spending on wages, um, the loan fee, it hasn't worked out. Um, and maybe we're seeing why, you know, Zidane wasn't picking him for Madrid. It, it, it's just gone, unfortunately. So at no point would I be looking to renew that loan or even make that a permanent transfer next season. I think that's part of the ruthlessness where we need to go, okay, you know, we thought we were hoping we could get this star player back who say wasn't going to be the old Gareth Bale, but would come in and add something. It hasn't. He needs to go, unfortunately, and I don't think we'll see a second season. So, James, last week I asked whether Bale is happy with his bit part role and, I guess, the failure to live up to the expectations we all had in the summer. Thing is, though, even if he does perform short of the mark, which he's doing across the season, it's no real bother to him as he's out the limelight that come with all the hassle at Real Madrid. Yeah, and because he is who he is, he's he's already got the full backing of, of the the entire Spurs fan base. You know, it's it's he, he could drop a, a you know a, a four out of ten performance and and not a word be said, uh, and and Lucas Moura could drop a four out of ten performance and and he'd have you know the the cavalry would be out for him. So he's 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 earned that reputation obviously because of you know the years that he carried us and how good he was and. That kind of that you know that that reputation he's built for himself um, it is it's painful for for someone like myself you know he was one of the first players I ever ever completely fell in love with and you know it, it, him coming back to Tottenham especially this year of all years was the a, a massive pickup that I needed and I know a lot of Spurs fans listening in will have needed as well um, the fact that it hasn't worked out is is heartbreaking a little bit because you know we all had this this vision of that front three all of them firing on all cylinders uh and it and it being a fairy tale ending but as as the guy you know as as Carlos said um the legs just seem to have gone um and and I, I just don't think he maybe maybe you know it's similar to Mourinho maybe the the game has changed in 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 recent years and 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 it's kind of just passed Gareth by and and he hasn't got that explosive turn of pace which which was his biggest asset and uh, you know you can see that he's still still trying to to do the thing the things that his body clearly won't let him do so I think his his failure to adapt to to a, a new style of football might be his downfall really I think I my vision you know when it when it was clear he wasn't the same player was maybe that he'd he'd moved down the middle and he'd, he'd become a, a centre-forward and, and maybe play in, in lieu of Harry Kane, uh, you know, as, as a second striker or as a centre-forward because I, I, lo- I liked his bit of movement, you know, when he when he scored that header at home against Brighton. I, li- I liked that movement. That was good. And, and again, against Wickham, you know, he's when he gets in the middle, I think he causes problems. But, it, you know, he still still seems to be hugging the touchline. 
Uh, and, and you know, he, he tends to be up against a fullback who's probably just as quick, if not quicker, than he is now. So I think it's it's adapt or, or it, it, you know, that'll be it for Gareth. I think he, his next move will be he'll probably go for that one last big payday, won't he? He'll, he'll you know, maybe into Miami or, or China or someone like that. And then I, th- I can see him calling it a day because he, he just, he, I don't think he, he obviously has the appetite for the game. Uh, anymore, we saw that with the the whole golf thing in in in, in Madrid. Uh, I don't think this has really reignited his appetite, unfortunately. Uh, and so, unless something changes, I think it'll be yeah, it'll be uh, a little step down, and then we, we might not have too many years of Gareth Bale left. So, Brendan, many are going to offer a criticism that this deal for Bale is nothing more than a PR stunt. That's not strictly true, but I guess there's no real risk for the club in the grand scheme of things because if they fail as a player, that being bailed, then they sell a bundle of shirts. But if it succeeds, then they get an additional forward for the season. So, you know, do Spurs, obviously they'll care to a certain degree, but they're not going to be tearing the hair out either, are they? You know, I think it was uh, 20 million that we're paying in total for his wages. I think it's only 200 or 300 grand uh, a week, which is still a hell of a lot of money. But it was a punt worth taking, and I'm sure he has sold lots of shirts. I know quite a few people. I haven't bought one myself, but I know quite a few people who have bought Bale shirts uh, to reminisce. Um, and yeah, it, you're right. Like the hope was that he was still there, but you could see from his body language when when he was subbed against Brighton, he was he couldn't wait to get off. He was just oh thank God, and and it's kind of like. When you've won everything, like he's won four Champions Leagues, he's won La Liga, he's been top of the world, he's been the greatest player. I guess you'd have to be someone very special, like a Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, to 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 keep motivated, to keep wanting to improve. I don't think he does. I don't, I think he genuinely has lost the appetite. And yeah, you know, like James says, MLS beckons for him, and and fair play, it hasn't worked out. Fingers crossed, he comes up with something later on in the season. You, there is still plenty of games ahead but it's not good at the moment. So, Carl, talking about additional forwards, we need to talk about Carlos Vinicius because when he sees Eric Lamella come on instead of him against Liverpool, he and the rest of us must be thinking, what is the point? Yeah, you might not be asking the right person. (laughs) Because from what I've seen, I'm not sure. You know, I don't think Jose rates in. And I have to admit, from what I've seen so far um, and judging it on the the quality of opposition, um, I, again, I I don't think... You know, he's the player that we're going to need that can come in and fill in. You know, unfortunately, it, it needed someone like an Ings to come in and be a backup who could actually bring you some real quality of Kames out. And like I say, I don't think Vinicius is, is going to be the player that's going to solve our problems. And I think the fact that Jose's picked players ahead of him that he has would signal and it would signal to me if I was him well this bloke doesn't fancy me clearly because you know I've been brought in to be the backup but yet he's picking this guy ahead of me Um, and I think that tells you all you need to know about that I think you know Vinny will be okay when we play um, Europa League sides possibly the the smaller Europa League sides and he might be okay in the odd FA Cup game against a lower league side but I I don't see the quality there that I think you could put him in against the Liverpool a Chelsea and he was going to cause the problems that we need him to. So Carl, stay with you then. I know you're a big fan of Danny Ings. Would you advocate sending Vinny back and going for Ings in the summer? Because I know Southampton have supposedly got a bit of a money issue so that might be the time to pounce. 
Yeah, I think I think the problem is 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 this is goes back to the fact of you know how long it could it take us to actually be a real challenging force, and unfortunately, someone like Ings now is the player that you do actually need to go and get um, if you do want to be serious about challenging because this isn't a new thing with Harry, is it? You know, and it's not going to be a new thing the next season. We know this is coming. You know this period is coming where you're going to get three or four weeks with his ankles go and he needs some time out. Um, you know, we've seen already this season as well, the guy can drop back and play in many different roles where you can accompany another striker with him. So you need options. And unfortunately, it's no good bringing in a player who only gives you options when you're playing lesser teams. You need to have options when you're playing the top quality sides. And I think that's why we need a backup of, say, Ings's quality. And I know everyone will sit there and go, well, yeah, but you're not going to get a player like that. Come and be, you know, play second fiddle to Kane. I'm sorry, I don't believe it. Money talks. The guy will come if the right offer is put in front of him and the right tempting of that listen you know this is the sort of football you can play we're here to win things um players will come at that point um so i don't believe all that about no one's going to come to play the backup because there's enough football there that says you're not going to be a backup and you'll get plenty of football and with you in the side we're a side that can go on and potentially win things and win big things um that would attract players but yeah we need to stop messing about and you know for me ing should be top of the top of the list this summer as long as he obviously keeps his form and doesn't get a massive injury. So, James, obviously the Harry Kane injury is a massive bitter pill to swallow and you almost wince at the fact that he has two ankle injuries to deal with at the moment. Now, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, especially in football, but do you think he should have come off after the first ankle knock and has his own stubbornness and that will to keep playing been his ultimate downfall here? Uh, I, I think, you know, that's... Yeah, you say hindsight's an, a wonderful thing, but... I think he, he had to give it a couple more minutes just to test it out. I think with that, that you know, we've all had, you know, twisted ankles. We've all turned our ankle before and either is the worst pain you've ever been in your life or it, it goes away after a couple of minutes. You can kind of shake it off and run it off. Um, it, was a weird, it was a weird one for me with, with Kane's injury. I, I found myself absolutely livid with him. I, and it was, you know, only since have I thought what, what a strange reaction that was from myself. But... I was, I was angry at Kane because it, it's so frustrating. He he seems to turn his ankle, and get his ankle caught underneath someone, and and go down more than any other player. I, I don't know whether he it's just the the style of, of play or the way he runs or so. he his ankles just seem to be turning themselves every two minutes. And you know I know the guy can't help it, but it. It is, it is going to be a problem. Obviously, it, it might even be maybe I'm maybe I'm being dramatic, but it might even be the reason that Kane never gets that that big money move, that that big move to to Real Madrid, to Barcelona, to, to Bayern, to somewhere that's going to you know that it might be in the back of his mind that that's why he he can't move away from Tottenham and win trophies, the trophies that he so obviously deserves, because he, he's always got this. You know that's persistent injury and this injury that's going to keep on coming back. So, you know, I know Harry's a, an avid listener of the podcast. So sorry, Harry, for you know for for, for going in on you for something that you, you can't you can't control. But I just found myself being so so frustrated with with something that that seems to happen on repeat year after year. Um, 
but you know it's something that we that we have to as you say Dan, we, we have to adapt and we have to we have to know that this is going to happen at some point and we should have a plan b for when it does happen um and you know as carl says i'm not sure if Vinicius is the answer i, I think we've we've proven with with the hoiberg signing that you need players who are premier league proven they they've proved themselves that they can they can play at this level um and so often when you when you go abroad it it you just can't you can't measure up how how good these players are going to be so yeah i mean it's 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 a sickening one for harry again to to miss yet more games it's a sickening one for myself because i just feel like we we seem to be going round in circles he's injured again um but hopefully you know this this is going to be the last time hope maybe they 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 operate or something maybe we just well, i don't know put him down if he was a horse he'd have been put down by now moving swiftly on brendan with kane adding such a creative dimension to his game this season he's now talisman and taylor is it fair to say that tottenham have suffered a double blow of sorts you could say that. Um, I just think that uh, we, we in the game against Brighton, you were expecting a bit more. And I think the system that Jose played in the first half just didn't work. Like we were playing wing backs and three central mid- central defenders. And so in the centre of midfield, we were being overrun. We weren't we weren't getting a hold of the game. And then he changed it at half-time, brought Vinicius on. Things improved slightly, but we were still second best. We still didn't seem up for it. Um, so we have enough there to be able to cope. Um, you just want our, our creative players to step up. And up until now, they haven't really done that. Bergwijn, he, he tries hard, similarly to Lucas. I think Bergwijn probably is more technically gifted than Lucas. Lucas, uh, they say that Lucas is where possession goes to die. Uh, but I just think that um, our, our attacking players need to, to up their game. Do we play Ndombele further forward in in the absence of Kane's creativity? But then you'd need someone in front of him that he can supply. So that would suggest that, that Vinicius would be the target man. But but like James said, he's, he's come from overseas. We don't know uh, if he is up to the standard of the Premier League. We had it with Vincent Janssen. We had it with Soldado. So it, it's an unknown entity for the time being. But you just hope that um, our creative players notice that we don't have Kane dropping deep and supplying Sun or the runners and and make up for that. And that's on Jose as well. He needs to implement a system that works, that, that gets the ball forward and that we have time to find our attacking players in good positions to get shots on goal because they were lacking it against Brighton. I think we had three against Liverpool. Our shots on goal, even with Kane, haven't been great. So there's a concern there that the system isn't suited um, but our creative players need to step up more to, to counter for Kane, uh, the creativity, the loss of Kane's creativity. So, Cole, another thing you can set your watch by is this chain of events. Now, allow me to lay them out. Kane gets injured, Tottenham have a wobble, fans come to the conclusion that Man City will come calling and he's off in the summer. So we've hit phase two of that. Do we have to worry about phase three anytime soon? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, you know, we all feel it, you know, one day it's going to happen, don't we? Um, I guess the one thing that, as James rightly pointed out, maybe the one thing that's always kind of stopped it is those teams possibly thinking, oh, you know, can the ankles, are we buying? Like, if you, if you take City right now, they've had Aguero who's missed large parts of the season regularly, haven't they, over the last few seasons? So, if you're Man City right now, do you want to potentially be bringing in another player that you want to spearhead your attack and know that you could have the same things? Or are you looking at someone like... Um, 
you know, what's the young lad um, at Dortmund? Oh, his name Harland. escaped me for the Haaland. Yeah, you know, he, he would, you know, I think someone like City might start thinking that he's probably their preferred option because, you know, younger, um, hasn't suffered those injuries, more likely that he could go the whole season without one. Um, so I think someone like City might turn their attention to someone like him. I still think, though, you know, if you look at what Kane's done this season, what a player. Um, and I still think there'll be a big side that will be prepared to kind of think, yep, yeah, listen, let's get him in um, and we might suffer two or three weeks without him. Let's hope it doesn't. Um, again, I think it all, everything balances on what happens this season, doesn't it? If he can come back in the next couple of weeks and we can get that League Cup win and possibly a Europa League, if you win two things or get at least get Champions League football, I think we might hang on for one more season. Um, but I think it's very much dependent on those factors. If we get nothing, then I think we could see he could really be tempted. So, James, it seems that three is no longer the magic number at the back. And if we could sum up the past week, it would be Liverpool's opening goal. In a situation such as that, who has to take the blame? Is it Eric Dyer or Hugo Lloris? I think either. Um, personally, I think... Yeah, but someone, Hugo... someone's got to take command for that. So who really should be... Yeah, yeah. Personally, I think Hugo should come and take everything there. Absolutely everything. If he takes his own centre-half and he takes him, yeah. Um, so I'd say Hugo Lloris should be taking it. Failing that, Eric Dyer, if he, if that ball's in front of him, he should be absolutely hammering that ball. I, I don't know about you guys. I watched I watched quite a lot of football this this weekend just gone. And every time a ball went into a box and a, a centre-half just gave it gave it everything and sent it into Rose Ed, I, I just had flashbacks to that exact moment where I just don't understand why you wouldn't just get rid of it. You know, what, what What? did he hope was going to happen? Maybe he hoped, yeah, I suppose he hoped that Hugo was going to come and get it. But to to have looked over your shoulder, to see that Firmino was there, to to then look down and see the ball at your own, you know, within reach different distance of your, of your foot and to not have just absolutely wellied it, I, I have no idea what's going on there. But yeah, either one of them, but I think either Hugo should come and, and absolutely swipe Dyer out, or, or equally Dyer should probably swing it. And if he takes takes Hugo's head off, then it's a, I guess it's a necessary evil. But you know, either way, I think I, I read something before about about Hugo not being the most vocal captain and the most vocal goalkeeper in the world. And I think that you know that's another another blot on his coffee book. Even though he's been absolutely incredible in the last couple of years since that injury has come back, he's been he's been better than ever. Um, I, I guess there is always just, and it always seems to be in big games where, where I guess you could say he makes a mistake. But that's between the two of them, you know. The, mis- the mistakes were made before before that passage of play as well. You know, Aurier let, letting his man run off him. Um, the, the the amount of time that Henderson had to to pick that pass over the top, it was an absolute shambles from start to finish. But that goal, especially, you look at it and you think that that is so so soft. So, Brendan, on the evidence of Eric Dyer not starting against Brighton, it would seem that he was the full guy in all of this. Is that something that you agree with? And was the decision for him not to play it at the Amex something of a surprise to you? Slightly surprising in that he's been a real favourite of Jose's this season. Um, but I have been a big advocate for Toby coming back. Uh, I still think that Toby and uh, and Dyer are our two best centre-back pairing. Uh, Rodon's shown promise, um, but I, I was surprised that he was the full guy. Uh, it, it was a catalogue of errors. I mean, there was as it was Aurier not tracking his man. Um, you would hope that that um, 
Dyer would just put his foot through it because you know that that was that would be what Toby would do. If Toby was in that situation, he'd just welly it. He wouldn't take any risks. Dyer doesn't know who's behind him. His his awareness in the box isn't great. Lloris doesn't like coming off his line. You knew what was going to happen. So if I was Dyer, I'd have wellied it. So it was a shame that he was the full guy, but um, it is what it is. And I think that the, the Rodon is uh, is showing great promise. And it's great to have Toby back. Uh, I, I think Dyer is showing his limitations. He's not great in the air. He's been beaten so many times on headers, which have cost us big goals through the season. But Jose is con- uh, persistently... Um, stuck by him, so it's one they had. To, one had to give. He's not going to drop Hugo. So yeah, it, it had to be dire. And Cole, if we're to believe reports, Serge Aurier waded in with views of his own at half time against Liverpool, and subsequently went home straight after. So what does that ultimately mean for him in Tottenham colours? Yeah, I heard he kicked a couple of stewards with their backs turned to him on the way out, just to kind of make sure he, his feelings were felt um, on the night, but. You know, listen, I've, unfortunately, I think we've said all we can say about Serge, isn't he? And, you know, and he is part of the problem. You know, he's a defender that doesn't have a football brain, doesn't know when to make a tackle, when to stand up. Um, and again, you know, like Dyer, those mistakes have cost us as a team throughout the season. You know, the West Ham goal, where you, you know, and, and, well, and put it this way, it's not just Serge. I think we have a real problem at the club that I can't believe the the staff there, supposedly football experts, haven't got hold of these players yet and said, stop giving needless free kicks away. You know, you're going through the back of people when they're going away from goal or they're in a cornered situation and you just go straight through the back of them and clean them out. Um, what is wrong with you? Use your brain in that situation. Uh, but Serge is, is like that all the time you know for 90 minutes you are dreading that mistake and i think that's probably the biggest thing if we're talking rebuild if you ask me where i'm going to rebuild it's a whole new back four um you know i'm not necessarily sure in the goalkeeper front you know i think hugo's still got something in him but davies at left back is is just atrocious Aurea at right back is atrocious and will cost you goals sanchez is atrocious and will cost you goals uh, Rondon is learning the trade, but he's going to make mistakes that cost you. Toby, been a great servant and he's still a great player, but, you know, time is catching up on him. Dyer for me, just not a top level centre half. And the goal against Liverpool there for me shows you all the problems. And like Brendan said, not great in the air. Commanding centre half just clears that. He doesn't wait for the goalkeeper. And Dyer knows Firmino is there. He looks over his shoulder and knows the bloke is there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, hold defensively, there's a massive change. But I, I'm not, you know, if Serge doesn't come back into the side this season, um, would it bother him? Bother me? Not necessarily. I, I think, it, you know, it could be something that suddenly, you know, b- brings about the changes that we need. But I, I think part of the problem is where well, Jose needs to decide what he's best bat for is right now you know you can't change things every week and expect to get results because players want to get some form of consistency Yan and Toby at centre halves they knew what each other were going to do and what strengths the other had what weaknesses the other had and they can cover for that we don't seem to have that because it changes every week so James as a byproduct of that we have Musa Sissoko's right wing back against Brighton there's a surprising touch of scattergun at the moment as Carl just alluded to so do you just put that down to a gamble that didn't work or is there something to be more concerned about? 
I think it, it was maybe down to necessity. You know, this is this is something that we have to have to do because uh, Matt Matt Doherty at the moment is 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 just not playing well enough to to justify playing a Premier League game. Um, Serge Aurier obviously had had his issue in the week, which meant that he wasn't going to be uh, he, he wasn't going to be involved. And so Jose's looking at what options he had left, and for me that that just was never going to work. Um, it, it, it is baffling actually to, to think about the way that we set up. Um, I know Carl, you, you said before the game, it, it seems to be that Jose is just picking names out of a hat uh, for for you know for who it is in the in the back four in the back five. But it was baffling for me that we we set up in that way. You know, you play to your strengths, and our strengths are, are certainly not our wing backs, especially not the way that you set up there. So we were reliant on. Two wing backs in Sissoko and Davis, who both aren't wing backs and both are relatively poor at, at getting up and down, and they're especially their final delivery. So it was never going to work, uh, and then we we struggled to to change it from there because one nil down, you're chasing the game, and 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 Brighton, in all fairness, I thought actually played very very well, um, but we we hardly gave them anything to worry about. So uh, Sissoko at right back, I'm hoping that was uh, an experiment that is done with. I think if I know I mentioned Matt Doherty being being shocking, but at least that he knows that trade. You know, right wing back is uh, in in a Premier League match is something that he's done plenty and plenty of times. It, it kind of if we if we play Matt Doherty at right wing back and also maybe put Sissoko in that centre midfield role, then. You know, Sissoko covering the fullback has been something that he he has been so good at. So, you know, putting both of them both of them there might give us a little bit more stability. It also takes a little bit of defensive responsibility off Doki. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, he's played there, so he he knows the trade. But Sissoko, I guess you can't knock his effort. He he's the utility man. He's 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 been there for the club. Uh, he's, you know, he's very rarely been been injured. He's always been available, and he's played a hell of a lot of minutes for us. So you can't knock him. But we know that he technically isn't isn't a, a great footballer. So unless he's he's playing a kind of an anchor role in midfield, uh, where where he can, you know, kind of get a hold of the game because he's so strong and and so quick. Um, I, I just don't think he, he, he can be the answer to our right back problem, though. So Brendan, going back to the Liverpool game on Thursday. We had an opening goal scrubbed out by VAR and then there was a lack of VAR when Alisson picked up the ball. The big question is, did he handle the ball outside the box? It looked like he did to me. I mean, then I am biased. Um, but surely VAR would pick this up. And, well, and the, VAR against, yeah, the VAR against Son as well. Like, I've looked at some frames on social media of that. Like, the, the frame that they used to show that his heel was offside, that wasn't when the ball left. I think it was on Dombelli that, that, that provided the pass. It wasn't when the ball left his foot. So it, VAR has to be more accurate. But in terms of the, the Allison one... Um, it, it, he looked on the line. He looked. I think I'm sure one foot was at least out of the area. The other one looked like it was on the line, which technically would still be in the area. Um, but it's kind of like you see goalkeepers like that, and you look at Hugo, and you think, well, Hugo is, loves to stick on his line. And so, you, you, when looking at goalkeepers for us, I'd love a goalkeeper that just put the commanded the area, not just the six-yard box or his goal line, the area. And so whether VAR gave it to us or not, I was I was in envy that Liverpool had a goalkeeper that was just so brave to go out there and and, and do what he could to cut out the, the chance for us. 
Okay, then final question to you, Brendan, staying with you. Do you think us as a club going top earlier in the season has perhaps inflated how good the squad actually is? And I mean that in the sense that we took advantage of being a crazy season and everyone having wobbles elsewhere. Are we now just simply regressing to the actual mean? Um, you could could argue that for sure, yeah. I mean, um, we we had quite a few narrow wins and when we were getting all those points on the board, we did have a style of play. As I said earlier, we had the low block and we were hitting people on the counter. The team bought into the idea and I think now they've just they, they, there's no plan, which, which we've spoken about. So I don't think we've re- reverted to where we should be. I think we can play a hell of a lot better than we have in recent games. And I'm sure we will. I'm sure it will pick up. But, um, yeah, those early season points certainly put us in a really strong position and maybe created some dreams for us uh, that, that we would go on to win the league. We had Jose, et cetera. Uh, but I think reality has to kick in. There are better teams out there than us. City, I think, will run away with it. Liverpool will probably go with them. But I still think top four is there for, for grabs. I think United will start to drop off. Leicester have Vardy's injury now, so they're probably not going to get as many points as they would if he was still available. We saw that. They lost to Leeds. So... This season's not completely gone. And perhaps, yeah, we were opti- over-optimistic with the dreams of, of winning the league this season. Uh, but I still think top four is realistic and I think we can do it. We, we certainly have to up up our game and start getting some points on the board, though. Yep, I would certainly agree with those sentiments, Brendan. Right, so we've only got time for Chelsea predictions. No chat, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I want your predictions for Thursday. Brendan, you're up first. What have you got for me? Oh, does it have to be an honest prediction? Yes, it's an honest <laughs> prediction, please. Uh, I, I'm i worried, I'll be honest. Um, I think it will be spirited, but I think Chelsea will nick it. I think it's going to be 2-1 Chelsea. I hate, I, I never want to predict against us, but I've seen very little to, for, to suggest that we are going to turn up and they've got the new manager, they'll have the new manager bounce. I hate predicting. I know you're not going to be ask me back on the show. <laughs> so <with my> internet. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll. Uh, I think it's going to be two one Chelsea. Sorry. Don't apologise because that's exactly what I was going to go for. So James, can you swing this round? Have you got more optimism for us? Less, I'm afraid, Dan. Sorry. Less. Well, um, I, I can't see a scoring okay. uh, at all. I can't see a scoring, so I'm going to go two nil Chelsea. Okay, Cole. Good note. Bad note. What have you got for me? I can't end this pod any happier than what the guys have. I think it's gonna we're gonna lose three 0 unfortunately oh, on Thursday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, on that note, that's the first slice of admin out of the way. I just need to do the rest, and that's as simple as thanking my three pod squad members for tonight. So, Brendan, thanks for joining this evening. Hope you'll now go off and frame your hat trick ball. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Great to have you. Great to be back on. Thank you for for inviting me. Apologies for my third world internet issues, and uh, good to chat with you all. Uh, it's great to reconnect with with you guys, and just feel closer to the club. So thanks for having me on. Not a problem, mate. We'll definitely get you back on board soon, internet or not. So James, a sterling return to form this evening. Thanks for joining me once more. Always a pleasure. Hopefully uh, things on the pitch improve for for next time. Thanks, Dan. No problem. And Carl, thanks for running the channels this evening and wearing that captain's armband. As always, I hope you'll be joining me next Monday. I will, Dan, um, but I'm still feeling sad and, and my soul hasn't improved after that one, um, in, in the words of Jose. Alas. Right. With that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.